Hello and welcome to In Tune, the Scottish Music Centre's series of podcasts. My name's Keith Beattie and today I'm very lucky to be joined with singer-songwriter and artist Jenny Sturgeon. How are you Jenny? I'm very well, thank you. So tell us how you sort of started, how did your interest in music start from an early age? Um, that is, that's a good question. Um, I suppose my folks were really into music, in particular sort of 70s rock, <laughs> that kind of thing, singer-songwritery stuff, your Crosby, Stills and Nash and Joni Mitchell and John Martin and stuff like that. So there was always a lot of music around the house and I had piano lessons from the age of seven and then just kind of got into singing and songwriting and it took a few years out from that when I went off to uni to study uh, animal biology and then started singing again and and songwriting when I went and studied a PhD in in seabird biology and and then I just carried on I've not stopped. Wow so it sounds your um, parents recollection sounds like I listen to you pretty much all the time now it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know I remember complaining about it at the time Aye, for sure. especially as like a teenager I'm like oh do we have to listen to Rolling Stones again and I'm like oh that's all I, <laughs> all I want to listen to now. Not that blue album again. Not yeah, exactly. Mitchell yeah. <laughs> so good. So if it hadn't been like if you weren't involved in music from that point would it have been like some kind of animal biology like um, zoology or something like that, a career like that you'd have taken yeah so I did that for well up and oh my gosh up until 2016 that was my job my career and then decided that the music was just a lot more fun and creative <laughs> mm-hmm. and in general there wasn't anybody uh, you know that you don't have to go through all the the peer review in the same way mm-hmm. the creative peer review is a really fun collaborative process in yeah. in academia I didn't I, I you know you work on something for a really really long time and then you end up hating it by the end or I did anyway mm-hmm. hating the piece of work you've done I loved doing the field work and analyzing the results but then my interest just dropped away I didn't really want to have to write it up and go in depth about it it's just I don't know it's a very different process and the creative songwriting thing is it's just really fun mm-hmm. so that took over and just thought I'd give it a go so that was four years ago and I've been self-employed musician since then. Fantastic I mean it's amazing like I'm I'm a huge fan of the outdoors and and birds and wildlife and all and things like that even more so in the last few years and having the kids and having a garden full of birds which has been excellent in fact the visitor yesterday the first I've seen one which was a gold crest Oh, nice. Which is a beautiful wee bird. It's the smallest bird in Scotland. I never knew that. Beautiful yeah. wee bird. I think they only weigh a couple of grams or something, mm-hmm. don't they? I, was, I, I thought it was a baby goldfinch, but the wee yellow yeah. stripe in his head, it was lovely. So it's sitting yeah. on a wee fir tree. Um, so that, that's something I love, but I, I get what you're saying. The idea of sitting and writing about it and, and examining it all, I think would maybe turn off my interest in it a wee bit. Is that what you're sort of saying? Yeah. Right. Yep. I think because it's like, in general, it was sort of year long, years worth of pro- of, a, of a project. Mm-hmm. So you get really in depth into it, which is great in some ways. But the thing I like about the music, in contrast, is I can sit down in collaboration with somebody else, and within the space of an hour, have started and finished a song, or mm-hmm. I can work on a music project for a 
three years, um, but it's a very different process. There's, you know, you're yeah. using, I don't know. It's the other side yeah. of your brain, I guess. Yeah, like exactly. It. Totally. Yeah. That's interesting. And and obviously, you know, seeing with that sort of creative side to your brain, like your art is something, I'm a huge fan of your art. I think it's great. I think the stuff you do is excellent, Jenny. Thank you. Um, we've got the, the cold tip print up in the hall there. Um, is that something that you did while you were working with animals or is that something you led into or how did that come about? No, that kind of um, came about out of panicking that I wasn't going to be able to make enough money from music. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I've always enjoyed, it was for me, like I went to to uni to do animal biology, as I said, but it was either that or art. And Mm so I have always loved being, I don't know, drawing and printing and all sorts of things. And I started printing as as presents and then thought oh maybe I can try and turn this into another stream of income especially you know early on and well still now like this year it's been invaluable having that income from the artwork and yeah again it's informed by nature and what I see around me and Mm -hmm. and I just really enjoy it it's um I think the process of the lino printing you almost are switching off part of your brain it's like you're just going through the motions in a way, but in a in a nice way that you're not overthinking about other things and mm-hmm. it kind of it's escapism in a way, I suppose. Totally. I think I don't think you realise how much um that stuff takes a hold of you. And I think it was last year or the year before we took the kids to uh it's like a an art workshop thing during Christmas holidays or just before the Christmas holidays and they were doing uh the lino printing and I did mm. a bit of that at school. But I hadn't done it for, for so long, maybe like 10 years. And I was just like pushing the kids out of the way, like, no, no, let me have a shot, let me have a shot. And I think they, they painted like one wee porcelain thing and I had yeah. brought back like a folder full of prints because I was getting so excited yeah. about it. I hadn't done it for so long. I didn't realise how much I loved it. Yeah. Um, so I think there's something beautiful in the sim. It's like not simple, but the, I suppose just like the nature of it being a block mm-hmm. of colour, that, that, that you're limited in colour and it, Always look. It always looks good. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's hard to make it look bad, eh? Yeah. Um, and that's great. Is there other pieces of art? I know there's like jewellery and things you do as well. Is there other things you'd like to try out that you maybe haven't tried yet that you're thinking about? I'd like to do more, explore printing more in depth because I think for the last four years it's mainly been, well, for the last three years, not including this year, it's, it's mainly been a, okay, I need to make some extra cash mm-hmm. and what are the things that might sell and trying to streamline that. Whereas this year I've had more time to be a bit more creative and I'd like to explore that a bit more with reduction lino prints or multi-panel prints and bigger stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that often requires having a printing press. So if anybody listening has a printing press lying about in their garage that they want yep. they want rid of, I will take it off your hands happily. Yep. A good Christmas <laughs> present for you, Jenny. Yeah, that'd be press. great. <laughs> Um, in terms of your the music, so the stuff I know of your stuff is your own and, and the Salt House stuff. Mm. Um, what other things have you been involved in through the years? The music projects that you've done, what things have you? So, yeah, the those are kind of the main two things. But um, back in two thousand sixteen, started a project called Northern Flyway with Inga Thompson, mm. who's a fantastic songwriter and very many multi-instrumentalist she's an amazing person um and we the project was all about birds actually so inspired by bird ecology mythology and bird song 
So that was um, a really good fun project. We worked with Jason Singh and Sarah Hayes and went on tour with that. And there's lots of visuals that go with it. And we're going to be out on tour with that next year. And so that's another big project. And then again, working with Jason Singh, um, there's a project called Launch, which is all about the RNLI and... It was for the Year of Coasts and Waters, the Scottish Year of Coasts and Waters, mm -hmm. a celebration of that. So working with John Ellis, who's a plays Amazing Keys, and Arun Ghosh, who plays clarinet and various other instruments. It's really good fun, high energy stuff. Fantastic. And yeah, those are kind of the main main projects, mm -hmm. I suppose, as well as teaching. Yeah. And you've got the Songwriting Festival as well. Has that been this year or was it online? Or? Yeah, it was online. Right. Um at the start of, I just ordered all the print for the live event, just as lockdown. So mm. it's like a hundred quid's worth of print of classic. <laughs> it's quite handy scrap paper for the year, um, but I, it was just about I was just about starting to advertise it when lockdown hit. But we did it online, and I think it worked really well. There was great feedback, and it meant. It kind of opened it up to a lot more people because it made it cheaper because nobody was having to travel to Shetland. I didn't have to pay for accommodation and travel for tutors. People could take part from their homes, which I think worked really well in that everybody's kind of comfortable in their own home. Yep. And it's a safe space. And also it's very easy to, you know, if you're set a task to go and create a melody or work on some lyrics, you can just mute yourself. Everybody's mm -hmm. muted. You can work away on your on your piece and then come back to the to the group and I think it worked really well yeah well, that's good and, and who did you have who was involved this year in tutors so we had two tutors um Hannah Reid who's a brilliant Scottish songwriter who spends half her time in the United States and she's also on Hudson Records and then Rowan Rangans who's a brilliant songwriter from England who does lots of she's recently developed a theatre show incorporating her her songs and yeah two phenomenal songwriters and really lovely people who were just perfect for teaching good to know i'm glad to hear that was a success as well um now the interest you've got in sort of nan shepherds in the living mountain it's quite strange in interviewing someone about a podcast and a podcast i'm very aware of that but <laughs> <laughs> um but it's a book that i mean a book that everyone should should read like I've, i think i've read it twice or three times now mm. Um, how how important was that was attraction for that and how important was that book for you um, it, it's really important I feel it, it sounds a bit corny but to say it's been life changing mm -hmm. um, it's true I think it took me a few years to finally getting around to read it my partner was try, just left it lying around in various <laughs> strategic places in the house like come on you've got to read this book you'll love it and I finally got around to it and just kind of oh it was just perfect and I was in the process of you know, we were coming to an end with the first round of northern flyaway gigs and I was looking for something else to get my teeth sunk into and picked up the book again and thought actually this would make a really interesting project for myself but I think also for our listeners mm -hmm. there's so much depth um, in it and I don't think I really appreciated how much I could do with it until well until it started developing and things like the podcast and the the idea is that it'll be a live a live show with with visuals as well 
so it can tour in any size of venue, including a little library or a bookshop, mm-hmm. um, an arts venue or a theatre. Yeah. And it's just been re- it's just been really fun the whole uh-huh. process and the podcast sort of came about because I was meeting and interviewing and chatting to lots of really interesting people who themselves were inspired by the mountains or Nan Shepherd's work. So artists, writers, ecologists, and it was kind of a captive. I kind of had them captive for a moment so I could to record these podcasts and mm-hmm. just for my own personal interest, yeah. really. But then people have been listening and enjoying them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been really fun. So is it all people who are in some ways influenced by her work and or, or by the outdoors and by mountains that you, you chose? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of ranges from a woman called Charlotte Peacock who wrote the biography of Nan Shepherd and then Erlen uh, Coulston who was Nan is Nan Shepherd's literary executor Kyle Noble who's an artist I went to school with actually and a ceramicist Nikki Boland a, a dancer a contemporary dancer called Simone Kenyon there's just loads of different people from lots of different disciplines which yeah. was it's kind of just yeah a good excuse to interview all these people Really interesting, yeah. And her being a female and such a massive role model, I think as well for a lot of young young girls and young women, I think it's, it's a great yeah. thing. Um, was that so important to you as well, taking that forward? Yeah, and I, I think I again hadn't necessarily thought about that, but the more I learned about her, I realised just how revolutionary she was. Really, she went up into the mountains throughout the 30s and 40s and well onwards and you know during the second world war wrote this book and she was born in the late 1800s at a time when there was sort of a trajectory and a path for women which was you know you could go to school and then mm-hmm. and maybe college depending on your status and then you'd get married and be a stay-at-home mum mm-hmm. not that there's absolutely anything wrong with that it's such a valid thing to do but she bucked that trend and went off to college and ended up teaching at Aberdeen College, never married, but just went out into the hills and lived an unconventional life in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think um, did a lot for her students in encouraging them to go out and explore not just the mountains, but I think in general. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think Charlotte Peacock describes her as a, a quiet feminist. So yeah. She didn't shout about it, but everything she did was exactly, very yeah. forward thinking. Yeah. And for you, is, is there is a favourite part of that book that, that spring to mind? Like, I'll share one of my, my favourite part. is actually the, it's the way she talks about people talking. I, I'm a, a oh, yeah. solo hill walker. I quite like going on my own. It's, having three children, it's quite a, a time for me to get peace to myself. And <laughs> I don't listen to music. I just listen to everything yeah. else around me. And mm. she talks about people talking and then, she, she sort of has a wee, it's like a wee mini moan about that and then saying that you miss a lot by talking and then yeah. she says, oh, they're young, it's fine. But then she goes on to describe um, the mountain as being a, like a friend. Mm. It's, like you, it's like you go to visit a friend. That's yeah. almost what it's like. And I really like the idea of that. Um, yeah, I mean, is it something like nothing to say to them, just you just want to be with them? Sort yeah, of. just want to be, yeah. Yeah, it's about just yeah. being alongside it. And I think that's that's a beautiful we are mm. describing being outdoors for me. Yeah, um, so and there's you the as... right kind of um, hill companion as well, isn't there? The, the person who 
you can walk in silence and then you can sit and have a cup of tea and a blether if you want, but you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess there's so many bit, bits of the book. I think a lot of it has changed the way I, I walk in general. So even just from my door going for a walk uh, in Shetland, it's, I don't know, just wandering wherever I want to go rather than having a plan mm-hmm. and taking taking it all in as well. I think all the... It's very, um, it's all about the senses, the book, and yeah. it's changed the way I think I experience the outdoors in general, not just mountains. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And, and um, the album, the album goes alongside the sort of podcast, is that right? Yes. And how did the album, and what were you, you writing the album alongside the sort of chapters of the book? Mm. Were they influencing how you wrote or was there a way that that was shaping what was written? Yeah, so quite early on I was writing out all the chapter titles and realised there was 12 of them, which I thought, oh, that's quite a handy album length. (laughs) And I have to say I did curse it a couple of times, like, why aren't there only 10? (laughs) Um, But actually it was a really good process, I think, because she breaks up the mountains, if, if you like, into their various components and so it's like it's quite good topics and themes to cover, and I was very keen. I've had, at this point I'd read the book several times, but I was keen not to directly lift any of her words. I think there's only a couple of lines in all the songs that come from directly from her book, but I was keen to kind of have my take my own inspiration from the mountains and also use her book as inspiration, but not totally focus on it mm-hmm. so I'd written down all the chapter titles and then sat with a notebook when I had chance in amongst other work and did loads of free writing so for example there's a chapter called uh, sleep so thinking about sleep in relation to the mountains or the birds animals and insects or the plants or the recesses and I just wrote pages and pages of whatever came into my mind and then went back and read the chapter that that was about and took notes from that as well and developed the song that way. Um, So they were all kind of lyric-led first, really, which is a new way of working for me. I tend to do lyric and melody at the same time or get a line and then start singing something or pick up the guitar, but it was very much word-focused initially. Mm. That's good. I mean, you'd expect that from it, you know, coming from a from a book. That's quite good. It's yeah. maybe made you write a different way as well. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I think lastly, I'm just I'm interested in your, the location where you've been in, in Shetland, how the mm. the COVID pandemic sort of affected your your work and personal life, and in that way, did it have a massive effect for you? Yeah, I mean, it was weird, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it still is still weird. Is, yeah. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> um, I think. There's been, it's been really difficult, um, some reg- work, working-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was pulled, cancelled or rescheduled. And I think the unknown aspect has been difficult of knowing when things might start up again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first sort of four months, I four or five months really, I didn't, I couldn't do anything creative and, well, anything that I would normally do like music or art (laughs) but instead I went out into the garden and dug a load of veg beds and did a lot of creative gardening I suppose (laughs) Um, 
partly because I thought the apocalypse was coming and I thought uh, maybe it'd be good to have a few veggies in mm-hmm. in store, although pretty much only thing that grows here is kale and tatties. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's fine too. Um, so that was, I'm really glad that I'm now at a point where I can be creative again. And I think it's been really good in many ways because I've you know been writing a lot collaboratively online and my skills at recording have got a lot better I've been sending things backwards and forwards with the folk consult house or different bands really and yeah just creating which has been really good and then personally it's been brilliant (laughs) it's the first time I've not probably been stressed in 10 years maybe (laughs) um I think after a few months of just being like, what is this feeling? It's like, oh, I know. It's just like I don't have that baseline anxiety all the time, mm-hmm. and I don't think I'd I I knew that it was there until it it wasn't there anymore, and very keen not to let that creep back, and just being able to see my partner all mm-hmm. the time, and you know, be in my house, and I've yeah, just recently got a studio space which I'm in right now, chatting to you, and so. Mm-hmm. I've just kind of moved all my stuff into here the last couple of days and just having the space to create and just more time, yeah. I suppose. And uh, I get, I don't know about you, but I get really tired doing anything social now <laughs> or actually if I have loads of work to do in a day, I'm like, how did I function before? I suppose yeah. it was the adrenaline all the time uh, that kept like, me going. But Everything seems like a big hassle. It's like... It does, doesn't it? I had to put a washing on. Oh, God, that's the worst. <laughs> or do the washing up. That's my least favourite job in the world. Yeah. But all we're washing is pyjamas anyway for the last yeah. year, so it shouldn't really matter. <laughs> pyjamas and socks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jenny, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with me today. That was absolutely brilliant. Oh, lovely to chat to you. <laughs>